Hello and welcome to Fresh Air. I'm Joe. And I'm Dave. I'm Reptine. And I'm Andy. And tonight we are going to be continuing our journey through political ethics and we are going to be discussing the concept of freedom. So the first thing we have to ask is, well, what is freedom? We can split freedom into a couple of different types, political freedom and personal freedom. Martin, would you like to explain what political freedom is? Well, political freedom is basically the freedom awarded to you through various political institutions, such as uh, legislations, parliaments, municipal, I don't know what the word is in English, but basically those kinds of, of freedoms. And how does that compare to personal freedom? Well, they, for instance, facilitate personal freedom. So um, though I have the freedom to go out to the park right now, I also have the freedom to stay in home. And I, my personal freedom would be to uh, choose to stay home and record this podcast with you guys. So you're welcome. <laughs> we, we don't have a choice to, to go out off. anyway because we're under uh, lockdown. So yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got no personal freedom to do that right now. <laughs> because of we, we have freedom. to so yeah <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> so that actually brings us on to a, a good point i mean is is freedom a natural right or a political right well i think it's both actually you by nature have certain freedoms like the freedom to walk somewhere but things like freedom to amass property is something that is provided and safeguarded by governments by that notion, could you say that political freedom overrides personal freedom, at least at times? I think political restrictions to personal freedom override personal freedom. For example, like we're all in a, in a lockdown right now, we can't go out or you're allowed to go out for essentials. We've been very restricted in our personal freedom. We can still you know, do what we want in our own homes, but we can't necessarily go out and do things that we might want otherwise do as a standard day. Yeah, basically. What's happening there is that political restrictions uh, are overriding your personal freedom. But that's the thing about politics. It's basically you're either restricting someone or giving them more freedom. So that's, that's also the thing to take into account when discussing freedom. Cool. So let's let's move on to the types of political freedom that we can have. So we can have freedom from, freedom to, and freedom of. So let's start with freedom from. Do you want to explain a little bit about that? Um. Yeah. Well, basically, uh, freedom from is the freedom from certain restrictions. For instance, if you do have freedom of religion, you typically also have the right to freedom from religion. So you can't be mandated. No, not man, not sure mandated is the right word. Ah, anyway, you can be um, forced to be religious. Yeah, fair. So you, you have freedoms from specific things. So you can't necessarily be forced to be religious, as you say. Would you say that you have freedom from violence or some form of aggression against you? Um, yeah, but when it comes to political rights in that sense, you only have the freedom from that which the government can guarantee you to be free from. So typically you'll be uh, awarded the freedom from government violence unless you bring it upon yourself by violating the government's laws. 
so you can say you should be having uh, freedom from, say, a, an attacker down the street. That wouldn't count under this. Um, no, it wouldn't. But you would then be still be awarded that you have the right to persecute that attacker from down the street. Fair. Are there, are there other any key aspects that you think that, that freedom from we, we, we need to speak of? Uh, well, like I said, freedom from is only really a valid thing for some things that the government can guarantee. So when you're outside of the influence of the government, your freedoms that the government awards you or your freedoms from that the government awards you are not to be counted on. Cool. Okay. Well, uh, as you mentioned it, let's let's move on to freedom two then. What sort of things do you have the freedom to do under the uh, political freedom? Uh, well, one of the probably most used ones is freedom to amass wealth or freedom to spend said wealth. So basically, when you've got freedom to, that simply means that you are enabled to do certain things. For instance, you're free to buy a car. Of course, if you have a driver's license in some countries, in some countries, you can still buy the car even if you don't have a, have a license, but then you do not have the freedom to drive that car. Yeah, that's fair enough. So would you put things on there as well, like freedom to get an education? Um, yeah, I, yeah, I guess we could, we could, yeah. But we'd obviously say that everybody's got maybe the freedom to get an education, but not necessarily everyone's got the freedom to get a private education in the same way that everybody might have the freedom to buy a car but they need the money to buy a car and if they want an expensive car they need a lot more money than someone who wants to get a 10 year old Skoda. Yeah exactly and that's something we'll probably touch on when we um, also treat rights in this chapter. Cool okay so the the last one is freedom of. Yeah uh, freedom of basically means that there are certain practices um, which you are always free to engage in. So these are things like freedom of speech, freedom of religion, um, freedom of migration. It's also something that's fairly topical right now. It's basically a free part in uh, legislation in that you don't need to have the means to do it, but you can also not be restricted to do it. So would you say that under these freedoms, there's no actual restrictions to them, like you mentioned the freedom of speech. Well, there are certain restrictions, of course, um, libel and slander when it comes to speech, for instance. But they are typically, uh, well, freedom of speech is, uh, is a good example because what freedom of speech mostly entails is that the government will not censor you before publication. So, yeah, um, what that basically means is that you are free to publicize uh, your opinion, but that you may still be persecuted for things like libel or slander that you use in publish publishing your opinion. Do you think that should go further into hate speech or speech that is designed to incite violence or some form of harm? Uh, yeah, of course, those, those are basically, those are the four restrictions that do apply to freedom of speech. But then again, the freedom of speech is the part that you still get to say it, only there may still be some consequences. 
And if, if we go to other things, you know, like uh, freedom of choice, I mean, how does that one work? Freedom of choice, basically, yeah, it, it's basically the freedom to choose. Yeah, I don't really know what kind of interesting things I can say about that. I suppose it has to be limited by, again, reality. It's the freedom to choose realistic things within your society. Oh, yeah, certainly. And of course, the choices you do have are determined by uh, your society and, well, things, for instance, like the products manufactured by companies in your society. And you, you mentioned immigration, uh, or you said migration. So that's basically the freedom of movement. Do you mean within your country or from country to country? Uh, well, typically, freedom of migration means that you can settle anywhere in within your country but are also free to leave your country when it comes to migration though that also means immigration and freedom of immigration as we probably all know is fairly much more regulated yeah especially by the country you are going into your country might be free to go yeah go on go off have some fun and the country you're going into is like yeah well we need about 50 grand yeah, for instance, or you need a green card that's only awarded for like one in one in ten thousand people, and uh, I don't know how fucking many paperwork things the U.S. more requires, but yeah, win a fucking raffle. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if you could actually have one in every country that allowed you to buy them, so that you could actually be a resident of all the countries. <laughs> Well, no, not in the Netherlands anyway. Double passports are forbidden here. Oh, really? You don't? You don't? You're not allowed dual nationality. Well, you you're gonna have to choose. Uh, I think like 15 years in, and they they do make an exception for some of those pesky countries who don't acknowledge the fact that their people emigrate. Like for instance, Morocco. They tend to be like, no, fuck it. He's our national. That is interesting. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's what you get when you've got like um, right wing governments like they can see like from off from beyond the eighties. <laughs> so um, that sort of brings us on to the next topic, which is uh, Sartrean freedom, which is apolitical. It's basically you're physically free to do whatever. But is there a bit more to it than that, Martin? Well, Sartre said that basically uh, the point to living a good life is living a life in good faith. So uh, what he meant by that is that you need to know and need to examine that you have choices and that you are condemned to be free, which means that you can do anything you bloody well want as long as you are ready and capable to deal with the consequences. So if I see a policeman on the street, I can walk up to him, punch him in the nutsack, and uh, start dancing on his head. But that will mean that I will likely uh, get arrested, possibly shot during the arrest, and I will have to deal with that kind of thing moving forward. I think you could even say, even with a in a society which had no politics whatsoever, you're still gonna have some form of consequences and you know you walk up to someone and punch them they're likely to punch you back oh yeah probably depends on how good a shot you get in though <laughs> yeah and how big they are in comparison to you and how quickly you can run <laughs> but then the consequence would be that you're being chased which is also fun 
It is, unless you're like me, and you'll probably end up having a asthma attack after about 500 meters, and then they'll pin you to the ground. That's why I had to learn to fight. I was far too lazy to run. <laughs> I, I I took a similar one. I just learned how to get hit. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what I mean by being able to fight. I can stand there and take a lot of shots. <laughs> I actually did that once. Somebody came up to me for... For uh, an argument we had like four years ago, and he he said he was gonna punch me. I told him you get three shots before I actually start firing back. He knocked me out at two. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for like some sort of superhero story, uh, but I actually prefer the way that one ended. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a great kind of anticlimax, isn't it? No, I like it. It's perfect. That's it... how comedy works. It's it's like anti jokes in itself. <laughs> I I actually prefer the more to your, your standard formulaic joke because you're you're expecting so much and then there's just nothing. And you are free to like them, Joe. <laughs> and, and free to express free to... Way, yourself. <laughs> and people are free to hate me for every time I tell them. So there's uh, actually a lot of misconceptions about freedom and what people think freedom means. I've had misconceptions about different thoughts on freedom myself. And I think a lot of them come from talking to people online with what they feel freedom is. And there's, you know, there, there's people that think freedom is absolute unrestricted freedom, the power or right to act, speak or think as one wants. And they think that basically leaves them free of any consequence as well. Um, yeah, I think I would agree with that. But there's also another very interesting and very important thing to take into account when you're discussing freedom. And that is that it is, um, in many cases, a political subject, with me, which means it's going to be a buzzword and something, to use, something used to reinforce rhetoric. And if you look at different parties across the political spectrum, every time somebody says freedom, they actually mean something different by it. Yeah, I agree with Martin there. Freedom is something of a trope that's thrown around by people. Yeah, so for instance, here in the Netherlands, we have the Freedom Party, and upon closer examination... It's basically about freedom from those pesky Muslims in our society. And we also have a socialist party. When they say freedom, they tend to be more along the lines of freedom from being oppressed by uh, big corporations, etc. So in some respects, it's not the individual's fault to think that freedom is something it's not. In fact, political parties even tout freedom to be things that it's not. Yeah, yeah. So, so, for instance, that Freedom Party I was just talking about, they say they advocate uh, freedom of speech, but one thing they don't... No, wait, they say freedom of expression. And one thing they don't value as being free to express is a hijab. So they're basically contradicting themselves there. Yeah, but if you really want to get into that party, it's riddled with contradictions. So, um. He wants the rule of law, but everything that they say uh, undermines the rule of law, like, for instance, freedom of expression, freedom of religion, etc. Let me guess, they, uh, they're against the hijab because they state that it's actually oppressing females? Uh, well, 
he used to, but right now it's just more that it represents the uh, reprehensible political ideology of Islam, which is utter nonsense, of course. For a hat. For a fucking hat, yeah. The Jews allowed to wear yarmulkes. Yes, of course. The the guy himself was uh, um, going to school in Israel for like the longest time. I mean, speaking of freedom misconceptions, I think Dave the other day had an interaction with someone who sort of got the freedom of speech wrong, didn't they, Dave? They did indeed. They argued that I had no right to tell them that their argument was incorrect because they had freedom of speech and that gave them the right to say when their argument was correct or incorrect. I mean, by that notion, if you just take it, that that means that they could have been a straight A student at school because they can tell the teacher if they are right or not. Yeah, exactly. Um that that doesn't quite work in the real world if you get something on a test wrong you can't say well that's my answer and i have freedom of speech you still fail your test i, I read a story uh, not so long ago that a student sued a uni because he felt he didn't get the grade that he deserved yeah that was in australia i think <laughs> I think that happens from time to time, doesn't it? I think we were talking about that one around Christmas time, Dave, weren't we? Yeah, we were. I think it's the same incident. Actually, it's South Wales. Oh, right. Okay. No, I was thinking New South Wales, but just South Wales. Okay, my mistake. It was kicked out of uh, Cardiff County Court, the University of South Wales. Yeah, it's... He depended on his grades being a certain level so he could get into his PhD candidacy or something like that. Yeah. He fucked up and tried to blame someone else. Oh, how does that happen? Yeah, I've, to be honest, I've seen that with some undergrad students when I was studying where they would say that they didn't get the grade they deserved and they felt like they were being unfairly treated. Yeah, I mean, it's hard because I've actually been on the receiving end of something like that. I tested a teacher at one point to see if they were actually grading properly. Now, this obviously wasn't at university, but a friend had done the subject I was doing the year before. He basically wanted everybody to do it on computer, and the essay had to be at least two pages long. She didn't have a printer, so she hand wrote it, but her handwriting was obviously much bigger than it would be if you typed it. I took her essay and I put in loads of extra detail, but I was quite concise with my points. So it came to uh, a page and a half and he actually gave me a whole grade lower than her because it wasn't long enough. <laughs> it was just like, you're kidding me, right? But I think um, for the most part, it's... If you're doing a subject, especially at a university level, there's a certain quality of your work that is expected and there are going to be genuine word counts and things like that. It's not just going to be some lazy teacher at a college who looks at it and goes, oh, yeah, that's a this. Oh, yeah, that's a this. It's going to be done to a much higher standard. Um, the teachers are going to be held or the professors are going to be held to a much higher standard. And therefore, the students must be held to a higher standard too and there is a lot more of working off of your own back at university i mean god i mean we lose you for days at a time sometimes when you've got a big topic on dave and you're studying really hard and doing all you can for it and you put the work in and you get the grades out of it and that's why i score those really high 50 percent (laughs) 
Tell you what, Joe, if I was your teacher then, and if you'd filled the rest of that page with screw Flanders, I'd have given you an A star. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the reference. But yeah, we've gone slightly off topic now. No, not us. Never. So yeah, I mean, we've, we've talked about freedom misconceptions and, and how some people think it is this absolute unrestricted freedom. They can do whatever they want. There should be no consequences. That's what real freedom is. They can do whatever they want to. So we should probably move on to why that sort of freedom is actually self-defeating in itself. Do you want to take us away with that, Martin? Yeah, sure. So imagine a world in which everybody is as free as they can be. That would mean that, for instance, uh, I am free if I am Andy and I and you live in one of my houses. That I can jack up the rent price like every day, uh, to, so that you'll be paying like ten thousand each month. Um, but at the same time, if I'm also your employer, I can say, you know what, you're too expensive. I'm going to be paying you five cents a day. You can basically see the problem forming i guess well most definitely uh, you could even make it even more basic than that it if you've had complete unrestricted freedom without consequences that would mean i would have the freedom to punch you but equally it would then your freedom would be taken away for not being punched well, it's it's the it is it's the the a contradiction between the freedom to and the freedom from uh, what do you exactly mean by that andy well like Joe said, if I if I was free to punch you, you're not free to <laughs> you're not free from getting punched. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that 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 would be true. And basically, um, these things take us back to the Hobbesian state of nature, where everybody is basically free to tread on everybody without any consequence, except for the power of the person reacting. Uh, so w- when we think about these these sort of freedoms, do you think there's any freedoms that either need to be restricted or, or, or looked at that are you know people currently have the freedom to do or not to do something in society um yeah i do and it's going to be fairly controversial um so let me explain this properly when you live in a democracy like we tend to do, at least in what they call the modern world or the West, then there's always something they call the rule of law, which are basically a set of freedoms and a set of, you know, courts and judges and all kinds of things like that that are enforcing the those freedoms for everybody. And, and they basically guarantee the way we are able to vote. And one thing uh, that we keep seeing happening uh, all over, like, for instance, uh, Hungary at this point is a good example, but you see it happening more and more in the UK, the Netherlands, the United States, is that uh, prominent politicians are criticizing judges, criticizing the whole justice process, the whole uh, system of courts, etc. Well, actually, those courts are there by merit of the opinion of the people. So when you are doing that, you're basically attacking the rule of law, which is guaranteeing you the freedom to attack the rule of law, which is potentially problematic, as we see in Hungary at this moment. At this moment. Uh, judges simply don't have the authority they used to have, 
partly also because they've been replaced by the ruling system at this point, but still. Um, so I think it should be illegal for at least prominent politicians and pundits to uh, needlessly or without merit criticize uh, ju the judicial process, which would mean a serious, a serious limit to the freedom of speech and freedom of expression. Guys, do you have anything to add to that? No, I actually agree with Martijn. I think the government, there needs to be something there to keep the government in check because the people themselves don't have it. They sort of have it every four or five years or whenever the vote happens in whichever country. But in those four or five years, if they attack the rule of law and they strip away the ability to be held accountable, then you essentially have people voting to be tyrannized. Yeah, exactly. And this is uh, one of the things that also happened in Hungary, where you have Orban, who was already by his own merits a popular politician, uh, and uh, one with wealthy friends at that, who had his friends buy up uh, all kinds of media networks to basically be his propaganda arm. And he himself also recently bought a media network through which, surprise, he also spreads his own propaganda, which basically goes to undermine all kinds of uh, parts of the rule of law, which brings me to a second thing. Uh, I don't think politicians should at any point be able to have any kind of controlling interest in any sort of media apparatus at all. So by that notion, would you say things like the, the, the BBC? Uh, well, uh, the BBC is a government project, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, wh what's the point with the BBC is that it's governed using legislation that comes down from political institutions, not so much individual politicians in the first place. And the second is that there's basically guidelines, but not a concrete, um, this is what you do kind of thing going on there. So that's more like we have two expressions in the, in the Netherlands for government. We basically have regering and overheid. And um, regering is basically the political day-to-day -day government, whereas overheid is the long-term body of, well, people who have to do with the government. So like civil servants and those kinds of things. So what you'd be, be coming on there is, it's say, if uh, Boris Johnson owned The Sun, for example, that would be a problem more so than, you know, the, the BBC being a, a government project. For our non-UK yeah, exactly. listeners, The Sun is a newspaper and not actual, actually The Sun. It's a comic <laughs> book. It's not, yeah, I say newspaper, that's, that's fucking loose. <laughs> Isn't yeah, it a tabloid? It is a tabloid, yes, but... Yeah, Viz is more of a newspaper. Uh, uh, the mirror is more of a newspaper. Uh, that uh, that was supposed to be a physical mirror, not the actual mirror paper. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I agree with Martin on this as well. It's propaganda can easily shape and influence the way things happen. So the government shouldn't have a right to use that kind of power. Except for 
something that's slightly beneficial, like, say, convincing people of the need for lockdown, for instance, during COVID-19. But to shape opinion of another politician, that might be going a bit too far. I suppose it's a, it's a fine line there, because obviously certain things need to come out into the news, but they shouldn't necessarily have a controlling interest. And by that notion, I suppose they shouldn't be allowed to uh, put money in to get certain things published as well. Yeah, exactly. And it basically comes down to what we've all learned at civil studies, I believe it's called, that basically the media is supposed to be critical and objective. And as a, as long as anything endangers that, it should basically be illegal. Yeah, part of the freedom of press is about holding the government accountable. And obviously, if any of them have a controlling interest, there is no real freedom there. Yeah, exactly. And the same goes for economics, but we'll leave that for another day. What about things that are maybe more individual? So, for example, we could put down the, the lockdown on that. There are plenty of people who are ignoring the rules of the lockdown there, putting others' safety at risk and their own by doing these things. And you can see infections and death rates go up when people decide, oh, it's a nice weekend, let's head to the beach. And there's crowds of people at the beach. And all of a sudden, you know, over the next week, there's tons more infections. Should people have the freedom to do things like that, you know, ignore the government and say, well, you know, it's my choice. I want to go to the beach. If I get infected, so what? Yes, they should, um, but not in these kinds of vital matters. You see, the problem is, and I think I've outlaid that in the chat also, is that uh, a lot of these kinds of control mechanisms don't really tend to go away because they set some sort of precedent. And uh, what can happen when these kinds of things have, uh, when these kinds of things are enforced, is that, for instance, let's say next year we have a normal flu virus that is just slightly more deadly. Uh, you get the chance that something similar will happen in that case, and well, we'll all be worse off for it. So what I'm basically getting at is that you as a uh, civilian should always have the ability to protest and object anything that you see the government do as long as it's tyranny that you define as being tyranny except for when doing so really is putting a lot of people at risk so for example with this current lockdown there's a pandemic going on people disobeying this are putting people at risk they're causing danger to others and they're causing infections they are going to be responsible for someone's death or possibly their own in this instance would you say that it they they should still be going to the beach or they should be staying at home they should definitely be staying at home so to that end if we're talking about things that can cause danger. We've seen over the past few years the rise of the anti-vax movement and when we see the threshold for vaccinations dropping below a certain point, I think it's about 95% for measles for example, we suddenly see a surge in 
those areas for measles infections. Do you think, similar to enforcing the lockdown, things like vaccinations should actually be forced? Well, this is a very difficult question for me because one of the fundamental human rights we do have is the right to bodily autonomy. And when you are going to be forcing people to be vaccinated, you are taking away exactly that same bodily autonomy upon which we condemn a lot of other things. Uh, So when when you damage something in a political sense, it's not as strong as it used to be. Basically, when you say we are we are forcing anti-vaxxers to get their children vaccinated. You are overriding the right to bodily autonomy. And you can make the argument later if some kind of other infectious disease hits either like free people in a, in a hospital and you need free liver transplants. You can basically say, hey, I've got three healthy, healthy livers here. Provide, sure, they're still in a patient, but let's transfer them simply because we've still the we have such a grave need for it in order to cure such a disease that's a, that's a fucked up example but still. <laughs> that that sounds a bit of a slippery slope but um i do understand what you're saying although could you say that someone who is allowing themselves to carry an infectious disease is taking away someone else's choice not to get the disease because they have refused to get vaccinated as well well, that de- that depends on the vaccination degree now, doesn't it? Um, the, basically, experts say that uh, at around 90%, it's uh, a safe vaccination degree. So anywhere within the that 10% non-vaccinated margin should still be okay. But, it depends uh, on the vaccine. Back to the slippery slope thing, there's something that's fairly important, and that's that legislation is meant to make things not possible to happen so when you damage that legislation by setting a president overriding it anybody can at any point provided they argue it correctly use that same precedent to overturn that same piece of legislation so it's not really a slippery slope it's just basically how legislation and politics works do either of you have anything to add to that nope i agree with martin i agree as well awesome so, Martin, something you mentioned there is uh, basic human rights. So can you tell us a bit about the difference between freedoms and rights? Basically, you are free from from the outset, right? The state of nature is that you are free. Now, in comes a government and the collective good, which means that they make legislation. Uh, from that legislation, you are restricted. But in order to have you still experience some of those freedom you get certain rights Uh, you've got basically two kinds of rights which are basically um, rights from legislation and rights from absence of legislation so traditionally legislation forbids things so you get to walk everywhere except for on the grounds of the u.s embassy that's a restriction but you still have you still are awarded the right to walk anywhere except there what well, you there are still also things that may not be restricted so if we for instance not say that the u.s embassy is restricted property then you will be able to walk on the grounds of the u.s embassy simply because it's not restricted to you 
Now, moving on from that, there's also positive rights and negative rights. A negative right is something you are simply able to do, like, for instance, buy a car. Uh, a positive right is a right in which the government must provide you with the means to do it. So, uh, for instance, if I have the negative right to buy a car, let's turn it into a positive right. That would mean that the government will be uh, obligated to buy me a car. So is that sort of thing like a, a state education, basically? Uh, yeah, for instance, yeah. Universal healthcare would also uh, be one of those things. Uh, they would be uh, required to get you a state medical insurance, and they will be re required to get you medical care when you need it. Does that fully count as one? Because, well, I suppose the same with the education. All of our taxes are going into the government, so... Is that still a fully positive right? Uh, what do you mean? Well, you, you said a, a negative right is basically you, the right to do something at cost to yourself, or did I misunderstand that? Yeah, it's, it's basically the ability to do, th to do something. So, uh, like for instance, me walking outside right now is a negative right. Um, me being carried out by a government official would be a positive right. Right. Okay. So with with things like um, universal healthcare uh, and state education, obviously everybody in the country that pays tax is obviously contributing to this. So is it a fully positive right, or do we sort of ignore that for the sake of the the distinction between positive and negative? Well, it is still a positive right because there is not being uh, any discrimination done between. Uh, those people who do and those people who don't pay taxes. Fair, okay, yeah. So do you think there are any innate rights uh, that are just sort of outside of politics? Um, I don't think there are innate rights. I, I do think there are innate freedoms. Uh, I don't think that outside of any kind of um, political justification or political protection of, for instance, the right to bodily autonomy, that there is something like bodily autonomy or the right to public bodily autonomy. So the the freedoms, would you regard them as completely inalienable? No, they're not inalienable simply because they are well, they are legislated on by the government. So, like I said, rights emerge from the restricting of freedom. So the fact that you are awarded a right means that somewhere else your freedoms are being restricted. So just to go back to the anti-vax point, whereas if everybody had the right to be free from disease and it was legislated that everybody had to do it, let's just say there was a cure-all, right? But everybody had to take it. So you got the right to be free from disease, but you lost the freedom of bodily autonomy. Not sure I follow. So you said the rights are given by restricting freedoms, yes? Yes. So if a right was given to a society to be completely disease-free, let's say it was one injection that basically protected you from all disease, poison, and all of that sort of thing, right? Yeah. But it was a case of the only way everybody had this right is if everybody was given said injection. Yeah, but then it's not a freedom, then it's an obligation. Yeah, so what I'm saying is you're losing your freedom of bodily autonomy 
by having that put in. Yeah, but you'll also be obligated to never be sick. Uh, I'd, I mean, I'd, I'd quite like to never be sick. <laughs> yeah, sure, but you, you can be obligated to eat ice cream. I mean, that, yeah, it, it's still cool, but it's still a, a very a very intense limit to your freedom. Oh, yeah, no, that, that's... I, I'm not saying this is necessarily what ought to happen. I'm just saying that that's sort of what you're you're saying by by certain rights coming in create uh, across and as you say obligations they can be they have to be balanced out by restricting certain freedoms and even ones that we think might be a basic freedom some sort of innate freedom could then still be restricted by certain things being put in place yeah of course do you guys have anything to add no sorry i'm dumb interested listening mm -mm. Nothing for me. Well, Martin, is there anything you think that we need to cover off? Um, no, not really. Just a reminder to always pay attention when somebody mentions the word freedom, because it's always a suspect word. Freedom isn't free. You're free to do what we tell you. Freedom doesn't mean freedom. Do you know what freedom is? Freedom is slavery. <laughs> <laughs> and what's love got to do with it? Ooh, ooh. Right, well, thank you very much for tonight's talk. We've gone through types of freedom and various rights. We've gone through the types of political freedom, which is the freedom from, freedom to, freedom of. Had a quick gander at Sarchin freedom and the misconceptions and uh, why absolute freedom is sort of self-defeating in itself and the difference between freedom and rights. You've been listening to What is Freedom? We are Fresh Air and I'm Joe. And I'm Dave. And I'm Martin. And I'm Andrew. Good night, all. Good night. Good night. That's all. Right.